0: Phil, there are so many great television shows and movies.
1: That's right. Thank goodness Resonance Rewind has the team to analyze them on a personal basis.
2: Unaware that within moments they were about to encounter the most incredible alien visitor ever to touch down on this strange forgotten planet. Opening words in the narrative a whole new adventure to be considered in a two-part special for Resonance Rewind. Robin, Lost in Space, The Keeper, summarise, please. Warning, warning.
1: warning. I, I, I give Lost in Space an awful lot of leeway, as you know, because it was my entry point into sci-fi. This is, a well, the 16th episode of the first season. So historically, um, it hasn't gone crazy and over-coloured yet though that would soon change because this is the episode that was directly against Batman's opening episode in the time slot. So we're still semi-serious action adventure all the way. We haven't gone completely crazy apart from Jonathan Harris as the nefarious Dr. Smith. We're still pretty much based as the the space family Robinson Um, and, this is the, f- the only two-parter in the series which is odd because every episode finished on a cliffhanger but it was kind of a c- fake cliffhanger. We were given the prologue to the very next episode and it stopped at a point of peril. So in this episode, number 16, we have a very special guest star. Now We've had guest stars before, we had Albert Salmi, famous character actor, we had of course uh, Warren Oates, who'd become uh, a very well-known actor in, in my um, Welcome Stranger, but this is the first time we'd have a known Hollywood star right in there, in the mix, and it was Klaatu himself from Day the Earth Stood Still, Michael Rennie, as the Mysterious Keeper. Now, we don't know what his name is. He's just referred to as The Keeper. And he, as so many aliens before him and after him would, visits the the Robinsons' planet. They seem to be the only people who can't seem to get off this planet. And, you know, he wants to add to his... Uh, intergalactic menagerie. And he's looking to add the two younger Robinsons. Now, Smith wants to kind of use this to parlay his way to getting back to Earth because he doesn't want to be stranded anymore, didn't want to be stranded in the first place because he was a stowaway. And everybody by this point seems to have forgotten that he was an enemy agent and a trained assassin. They still let him babysit the kids. God knows why. And, And basically, it all goes awry because of Smith's meddling, who, you know, towards the end of the episode, as we're coming to a close, releases the entire menagerie, all five monsters, which are a, a cacophony of, of um, creatures we've seen before on Lost in Space. One seems to have forgotten he was a one-eyed giant about 10 weeks before. There, there are things from uh, Void to the Bottom of the Sea, the other Irwin Allen series of that year. And the Robinsons are now in dire peril because there are basically dangerous monsters all over the shop.
2: Indeed, what are we going to do, especially as we've just heard that Cathy Manso is not so much lost as locked out of her particular part of the, uh, uh, the place in Lincoln, so she's waiting for security to open the door. bit too much information there, but it just shows the perils and the jeopardy that we're faced with. For a primitive people, you have done well, said the Keeper, to which Smith replied, My dear sir, I resent the word primitive. We are highly intelligent. I will not argue the point, Dr. Smith. Let us both be satisfied with our own opinions. Jessica Burtis, back, of course, in the land of um, Lost in Space. We have worked in the past with Penny Robinson, of course, um, and featured her on the program. What did you make of this uh, little uh, episode, an exploration of the well-heeled Maxim, never, ever get into a strange spaceship with a strange man who promises you things on the basis of having conjured up a unicorn?
0: I thought this episode was really wacky and fun. It was a little creepy. Um, it it definitely had like Pied Piper in space, almost so, some vibes of that. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. I The doctor cracks me up. He just, every time I watch an episode from this show, he just, he's so funny. And um, I thought this whole like alien visiting, trying to take, human beings to kind of put in a zoo was so horrifying um and i think i think you can kind of link it to humans um keeping animals in environments that are not um good for really intelligent creatures like orcas and how they're mistreated in um captivity but i think um the goofiness of the episode kind of like just made me it, it just made it a little bit brighter. I think it was like at one point, um, was it the alien? He was saying that his staff, like it, it can only work on it can't work on intelligent beings or something like that. And he's like, oh, but the doctor, never mind. It works on him. <laughs> it's just like the funniest part. <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, written by Barney Slater with script polishing, apparently, by Anthony Wilson. I'll say that again. Script polishing by Anthony Wilson and directed by Sobey Martin, who was very much a jobbing a director and a focus with respect to that. Pamela Suman, as somebody who could have been Judy Robinson uh, and actually said things such as uh, I can't and I've I, I never actually uh, respond well to a person who actually locks up animals and so on. Uh, and of course, you know, if you don't notice that Judy's changed her hair, It could be a disaster in all sorts of ways. Have you not noticed that my hairstyle has changed? Pamela, what did you make of this uh, little um, first opener, The Keeper?
3: You know, I am befuddled at how bad my memory is because we used to get all kinds of shows and reruns and things like that on television. And I I thought that I remembered Lost in Space with Roddy McDowell and I was just doing some feverish research because I think that I was woefully wrong. I went through my entire life thinking that I couldn't stand him as an actor and he was terrible and lost in space <laughs> when I think it was Planet of the Apes and he was Shakespearean trained and amazing actor. And I think I need to revisit him because I think I, I have some weird diluted memory of...
2: It's a crossover. You know, Planet of the Apes and Lost in Space. That was something even IDW would be proud of.
3: Well, you know, I... First of all, you know, it was embarrassing the way they talked about girls and women. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. Um,
2: but surely that is as it should be. The female is always you know more timid and likely to be invisible.
3: <sighs> you know... <laughs> let's 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 all hang out in new york real talk and we will we will revisit that for (laughs) sure (laughs) um no i really i actually really liked it and i'm so glad that you 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 made us watch it (laughs) because uh, i don't hold
2: up my staff and insist that people watch it it's not that kind of scenario well
3: the mind the mind control that that you exercise alex um so it yeah and it was it was very interesting and, and what i thought was interesting too was that you know the basic critique on racism and and keeping animals and pets as pets and and you know um, the whole idea of you know that that idea of let's say you know we think of an ant and we think we can just smush it and it has no feelings and it's beneath us literally um, but it to me that was like brought zooming out I thought that was kind of an an interesting overall takeaway about that, which is good. It's a very good thing because it's, it's wrong to, it's wrong to enslave people. I think, I think we still have to try and teach people that lesson <laughs> because there are some that, that still think it's okay. But anyway, yeah, I liked it. I liked, I liked the clothing. I did not like, what was his name? Michael. Renny. Uh, Renny's His, his whole look was creepy. It creeped me out. And, and I guess, it was meant to. So they did a good job, but it was very creepy. And I hope I don't have nightmares about his face.
2: It is, it is problematic when you see a bearded man holding his staff quite sh- shamelessly and blatantly in, in open public. It could be, you know, uh, very challenging in all sorts of ways. Um, Jenny, did this take you back to a time when the world was simpler and you weren't fretting about who Chelsea or Manchester United or, or indeed Middlesbrough were playing in the uh, uh, FA Cup sixth round?
4: who's going to score the first goal and what this the overall score is going to be um well (laughs) i know we watched the lost in episode uh, lost in space episode before and i have to say i call this program lost on me because i think it's absolute rubbish i can't stand it i cannot stand dr smith that the scripts are awful, the sets are awful. It's so cheap. I don't know why they couldn't have got a GoFundMe page together to at least have put some money towards the production, because it's just awful. And this was a, a particularly bad episode. I just thought it was the acting was terrible. I mean, these are people who are good actors. Klaatu, he was OK. Um, I have to say, we have to give a nod to The Cage from Star Trek because I just think it's such a similar idea. Um, and because the music and the intro is fabulous and then the episode is just a huge disappointment so you know where my score is going to be going
2: <laughs> it's not going to be good is it let's be honest uh, in terms of you know, uh,
4: I, I don't like the program but i watched it and i just i just thought this is just awful and i watched on daily motion where you get adverts every 5 minutes and i couldn't wait for the adverts every 5 minutes because they were far more exciting than the actual show Sorry.
2: When when you bear in mind that uh, this particular program finished third in the week when it actually aired and premiered in September 1966, uh, just below I Spy and Get Smart and just ahead of Hogan's Heroes. Um, Robin, you've heard obviously the. I mean, I've come to this through a number of sort of areas. I mean, on the one hand, I, I can understand Jenny's viewpoint perfectly because I think Jonathan Harris vastly overacts and clearly he was best mates with Michael Rennie, so he was over-eager to even uh, demonstrate that as well. Apparently, Owen Allen did actually beckon him over at this point in the series and the production. Yeah,
1: that's I've I've, I've got an interview um, on disc with Jonathan Harris, and he relates the story, where he was afraid that his character not being in the original pilot, but was added in later, was easily got rid of. And he was a jobbing actor. And he decided to invent little bits of business for himself to try and make himself more memorable. And, you know, to, for people to start liking him so that he would be assured of a job and a weekly paycheck. And at the point where he thought that he was overdoing it, because he was actually a very fine actor, um, Irwin Allen, as you rightly say, Alex, beckoned him over and said, whatever I know you're, what doing, you're doing, I do know what more. you're doing. Yeah, mm. do more. And so after that, OK, he did overreg it vastly and he did tend to make this the fiendish Dr. Smith into basically a shrieking effeminate pantomime dame, let's face it. I mean, nobody screamed like Smith, especially when he was in that glass cage. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought that this this particular episode was an interesting pick because it's around middle of the first season. And we've seen previously the, the first episode and we've seen a very penny centric episode. We didn't get many of those, but this is more more of the typical Lost in Space episode. And we see more of what we'd be seeing week on on week before they lost the plot completely and decided to adopt the same over-the-top camp humour that was being so successful for Batman on a rival network. Oh, and to address the the Cage menagerie episode, this was actually aired before (laughs) Star Trek. So... um, I, I think well, it's a good, it, well,
2: it was actually after the Twilight Zone episode. People are alike okay. all over.
1: Yeah, but ah, I'm glad you spoke. You you said the Twilight Zone because I don't know if you noticed. Um, they used a lot of stock music from their the 20th Century Fox library in this. The Not DVD only did we have still. Johnny Williams's um, Lost in Space theme, but we had various themes from uh bernard herman that had been used in the twilight zone and we also had various music cues particularly inside the keeper's ship from Mm. the day the earth stood still also by bernard herman which i thought made a really nice link Mm. um I wish they'd put a little bit more effort into the the number of monsters that came out of the ship at the end. Um, You just had the five costumes coming around in a circle, and they were so easily recognizable as, you know, the thing that grabbed the sea view and voiced the bottom of the sea, the giant uh, cyclops that threatened them in episode five, the sort of black-eyed mummy wearing a polo neck that would appear every so often. You know, it, it was it was all a bit cheap and, and a bit bizarre, but what I like about this episode is, I'm a big fan of the black and white series because it, it has an eeriness, an absolute eeriness and a menace about it. There's something, and it works well for the original Twilight Zone, and, and the the outer limits as well that the black and white uh aspect of it just makes it slightly off kilter and i I really love that in the these um initial episodes it's something that was lost um when the the episodes went to color from season two onwards and of course the humor became more and more bizarre and it was just basically an all-out assault but but
2: robin remember sense? the time the time where basically uh, the whole notion of psychotropic psychedelic drugs were actually well, in not only
1: that, but um, one of the sponsors, and this was true of Batman, it was true of Star Trek. Some of the sponsors of these shows were RCA televisions who wanted to sell color TV, oh. so everything had to be color absolutely saturated as much color as you could put on a single screen. And of course, you know, Erwin Allen was the master of, of flashing lights and explosions and flashy effects and in this house um, if we want to denote a certain level of blue we always call it void the bottom of the sea blue because you know we've never seen see that blue
2: The budget, in case you're wondering, uh, Jenny, was a little under $140,000, which actually did rise to uh, just under $162,000. So, well, they didn't skimp on this particular thing, certainly. It
4: all went on Judy's hairdo.
1: Highly likely. Actually, I think it would have gone on Michael Rennie's wardrobe because he used to nick everything he used to wear, according to Arthur Weingarten
2: so let's turn back to, to to jessica then in terms of this particular piece which uh, according to bill mumi uh, is indeed one of his favorite lost in space episodes of all time um, do you feel i mean do you feel that Jenny's being a little bit harsh in terms of that. Do you feel that actually maybe she's not, she's viewing it through the perspective of, of, of cynicism and, and, and such like stuff, or, or is it a case of, no, actually, you know, there's a moral there. You've got the, the biblical story of David and the Goliath and what's not to love about a science fiction episode set in the future, which actually manages to resolve the situation by using the slingshot, the classic you know, American interesting weapon and the best way to smash a light bulb I've ever encountered.
0: i think it just depends on kind of what you like um i was kind of getting like oh at one point in the show i was like i think when the robot went and the children were locked in the rooms to keep them from being drawn away by the staff and the robot just went and unlocked the room and the mom and dad were like where have our children gone i was like this is so ridiculous I was like this is so unrealistic then I was like no this is like this had to happen keep the plot moving it's like a family show it's gotta happen so they can have that conflict where they run into him and they have like the the final um interaction um and I just some of the some of the lines like I think Judy is that her name oh that's the actress's name yes um Penny (laughs) she Oh no! Who am I thinking? An- An- Jude? An- An- Jude An- Angela,
2: Angela Cartwright portrays Penny Robinson. Thank you. Judy Robinson is played by Marta Kristen.
0: I'm getting them mixed up as Penny. Penny ran to the mom, and she was like, "You know, this weirdo tried to put us in cages," and the mom was like, "Oh, well, it's over now, so that's okay." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like that was so weird. But I think. Uh- <laughs> When I kind of got over that, I was like, you know, I kind of like the goofy aspects of it. I think I like I like a villain and sometimes who is a bit bumbling and doesn't know what they're doing. Like, I feel like like I grew up watching Phineas and Ferb. So like Doofenshmirtz is like this bumbling villain who's goofy and it kind of just makes it like funny. I think sometimes I get tired of like the very scary villains and I kind of like it when they're a bit stupid. (laughs) I just don't really know what's happening, you know?
2: in many ways you could say putin echoes zachary smith but i'm just you know putting it out there as, as a possibility a slightly different version of it uh, maybe we just need to have some owl people to actually uh, uh scrutinize him mm-hmm. pamela um i mean clearly that other line as, as as a mother you'll be able to appreciate that if a bearded stranger turns up with a glowing staff that then magically produces artificial flowers which you then present to your good self obviously he's going to be good isn't he really
3: um, well you know I, I, I was thinking about what Jessica was saying you know and uh, no I I, I I could I could tell you a few possible reactions uh, m- real mother reactions that that may, it may not be a kosher to say uh, <laughs> on this program yeah. but that yeah. reaction would not be one of them you know yeah. so a mean- lack of
2: realism perhaps or, or maybe just emotions had gone by then I think,
3: I think- <laughs> the idea in
1: 1997
3: (laughs) suspended disbelief to the point of take your brain and and remove it from your head and put it over there on the table and then when the episode's over you can just put it back in your head you don't really need it in fact it's going to just get in the way
2: yeah (laughs) amuse yourself major but remember there will be a day of reckoning said with due menace in that particular relationship between major don west and of course zachary smith um jenny can you appreciate this on a level of pantomime or is it a case of you you would say no even even that is is uh is is giving it too much credit
4: Probably it's not my kind of thing. I think I said this last week, I'm not really very much into comedy and I don't really like uh, just things that are kind of a bit stupid. I mean, I just the whole program. Dr. Smith irritates me beyond belief. I think he's I'm sorry if I've been stuck on the ship with him, I think I'd have assassinated him after about a week. And the rest of the family are so stupid and so gullible and so goody goody and just walk about like they're just doped up all the time with smiles on their faces.
3: They're American.
4: Uh, (laughs) 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 Oh, that explains it. But no, I mean, really, I I just find the whole thing. I just thought this particular episode was particularly awful and particularly cheap. And I can tell that
2: you'll obviously be looking forward to part two next week when we actually do see the Owen Allen staple, the giant lizard
4: and there was another thing it was like that that bit where he did the thing with the staff and then the little lizard creature thing appeared back in the box well how did he get there because and they were saying oh he could summon it back but I mean it was like uh it just appeared it wasn't like it was summoned like everybody else and and made its own way there and I just thought the whole thing I thought it's so stupid it's stupid (laughs) it's beyond and I understand that you have to kind of have you have to put your brain to one side before you watch. But I just felt this one was particularly awful. And I agree with what Robin says about black and white, because Robin, it made Space Patrol look
1: fabulous. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) could make Space Patrol look good. But but to address, again, your point about, you know, the family... I mean, if you look back at when this was made, these were the American nuclear father knows best family with three kids, you know, the adolescent, the middle child, the mischievous little scamp, and the mom who stayed at home and did the washing. I I, even though I fully take your your point about uh, Dr. Zachary Smith being, you know, awful and Believe me, if we were space colonists, we would have told him that there there are extra rations in the airlock and we would then have pressed purge. But imagine how dull a series it would have been without him. You know, he's the one who actually kicks some life into the series every so often from a dramatic point of view. But I agree with you that after a while, I mean, if if you watch several of these episodes in in a run he soon becomes tiresome and we wonder why he wasn't taken by professor john robinson behind a rock and you know the old yeller kind of elimination um but you know it was 1960s it was family tv and they were trying to present all that's best in in america and you know your, your proper family
4: Don is the only one that actually seems to uh, see him for the for what he is, and the rest of I them. I find Don like...
1: to be such an unlikable character because he's always trying to act between gritted teeth. <laughs> Doctor Smith, I will, you know, it's it's like ease up, man, ease up, or you'll never get Judy Robinson because you're too uptight. You're gonna have a heart attack before you're thirty.
2: These are challenging issues in in a whole range of ways. Pamela, let's turn to favourite characters for this particular episode. Uh, I mean, allowing for the fact that the the promise was made that you could see a butterfly that sings like a bird and a frog that laughs, I felt that the only major lacunae in this particular episode was the lack of any pink flamingos, probably because it was in black and white. But um, in terms of your favourite character or any... uh, that sort of stuck out as uh, even the, the the robot of course who suddenly for somebody who actually glides along, along the floor often seem to be sort of moving his little legs very very rapidly in terms of the movements that we actually saw for the robot. And it's still me to sort of great grass I mean I've, I've actually asked the robot you know to see what's happened with respect to the robot and even he doesn't quite understand it which is why I've had to put him in his own little cage as you see so very important
3: yes I do as a matter of fact and it is the Unicorn Pony.
2: Oh, yeah. Nice cameo, but very effective.
3: <laughs> Best moment for me in the entire show was that magical moment.
2: <laughs> Would the Unicorn Pony have actually uh, managed to persuade you to go into the Keeper's ship?
3: You know, it really depends on what else I had going on. You know, it, it's, it's possible, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. that's, in, in another sense, you could say, well, surely this is Hansel and Gretel for the space age generation where you get tempted into to seeing the whole system and of course uh it's um penny robinson who realizes that maybe it's not such a good idea to actually work through that and indirectly the the role of zachary smith's character was to accidentally bump into the keeper thereby smashing the uh the the original system which which prevented them going in the first place but interesting i couldn't quite understand as well in terms of of characters uh the gentleman that the keeper speaks to or the alien the keeper speaks to seems to be there for a random reason that i've I've yet to actually understand uh other than well shall i go and collect these two human beings go ahead then if you wish just seemed an an odd sort of piece anyway uh, they were bad
1: guys because they had beards
2: yeah um Jenny, favorite character for yourself? Or are we going beyond the unicorn or
4: oh, no? It has to be Don because I feel his frustration.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> but I don't I'd think j- I'm
4: feeling it through gritted teeth, but I feel his frustration. He's the only person that seems to have half a brain out of the whole bunch of them. The rest mm. of them are all on their all take smoking marijuana. <laughs> I don't know what's going <laughs> on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that might be an observation that you've deduced from the whole system, but there's no evidence at all in the series that they were actually storting anything of any uh noxious sort of substance. So I think, you know, it's fair to say the all-American family again citing David and Goliath, which is very where good Am sort I of saying
4: word. something a bit wrong but...
2: So Jessica, where do you sit as far as favorite characters are concerned?
0: I I mean the doctor is my favorite because he's just such an unhinged mess. Like he's so funny, I just love it. (laughs) And maybe it's because I've only gotten his character in like small doses or something, (laughs) but I just enjoy it every time he was on the screen. I was losing my mind.
2: So good news that he appears in, in force next week, then, for our second part of this little adventure. Be intriguing to find out what Kathy Manso makes of it, given that she's currently locked out of the whole sequence. I think she's got a few key, key things to say. Hopefully security will let her into her place in Lincoln. Otherwise, she could just have to sort of, you know, exist in, in, in the cold. But what the hey, uh, Robin, what about your favourite character?
1: This episode, I thought the Robinsons themselves were were kind of cardboard cutouts and and the show was stolen by Michael Rennie as as the keeper. Um he brought the same sort of dignity to the role that he did um as Klaatu. And I, I, I just enjoyed his performance. But it was interesting uh, that you mentioned Hansel and Gretel because I was going to say when I when I watched the episode again this morning, um, yes, I've always watched it with a, a Hansel and Gretel vibe. That was my term of reference because I believe that was possibly my term of reference when I when I first watched it. You know, when I was five or six years old. But of course, watched these days, um, it comes across a little bit more creepily, a little bit more pervy. Um and I wish I, I I I hadn't thought of that, but um uh, I I'm still, you know, kind of yeah, I, I like his alienness as 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 the keeper. Not saying that I, I commend his actions. Interesting.
2: Okay, Um, I'd I'd probably say that I I still like the robot because I still feel the robot actually manages to to lend a certain veneer of of, of sophistication to the proceedings and so on. Uh, John Robinson, curiously, I'm finding I'm disliking more and more as I get more chronologically gifted uh, because initially I used to uh, quite feel that he, he portrayed the father figure very effectively uh, but he does seem to again have his, his, his own sort of rational having said that I do think it does tend to connect quite nicely as a
1: an artifact um, but let's go to the scores but 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 there's another flaw to his character and Don's here when Will runs up to them at the beginning of the episode saying Dr. Smith's in trouble Dr. Smith's in trouble he's in a cage and there's a monster trying to get to him it's like Now, son, tell me what happened. And there's no urgency. They go strolling to where this guy could be being butchered and torn limb from limb. It's like, ah, yes. Now, where's the monster? It was here. I yeah, well, he's not here now. And, you know, it's it's like, Jesus, move, man, you know? Yes, I think you're
2: taking realism to a, 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 an unusual level there, Robin. I mean, as I say, when we see the giant Iguanodon in part two, no spoilers, then well, Batman no, would have run. there's general threat values there. OK, Pamela, your score out of 10 for this first part of The Keeper before we go into part two next week.
3: Well. I hate to give things low scores because. I, I think people worked hard on this, you know, and, and, the, and the hardest working people got paid the least, which is always the case. Um, and I, I think that poor little pony unicorn did not make a dime. I, I, I suspect it was, yeah, it, you know, he didn't. I, can I give well, it
2: a 6.25? <laughs> 6.25 is perfectly acceptable. Uh, Jessica.
0: I enjoyed it I think I agree with Robin like the sense of urgency had me like just irritated a little bit I feel like I feel like kids have more had more of a sense of urgency than the adults throughout the whole thing um so I'm doing it a seven and a half because I do want to see part two I do want to see what happens I'm intrigued
2: <laughs> exactly and as I say the iguanodon particularly interesting uh discussions with 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 the robot have sent us to suggest I would probably go for a seven uh for this particular one uh uh, yeah okay uh jenny let's get it out of the way
1: then
4: it's one and that's for the blooming intro
1: (laughs) yeah robin As I've said, I forgive Erwin Allen a lot. Okay, I don't forgive him a lot of the time tunnel. Um, But I do forgive him a lot on Lost in Space. It was my entry point. I might be looking at it through the flawed lenses of warm nostalgia. But for me, this is Lost in Space in its stride. They made an episode that was better than this called War of the Robots, which I hope and this is a very, very unveiled hint. Can we watch that, please? Um, I'm going to go nine. It's not a perfect episode. I love the episode. It's not perfect. Jenny has but just collapsed at
2: this moment in time.
1: That's what <laughs> I shock. did when I heard her score for Space Patrol.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think the irony, of course, is that I think Space Patrol probably actually beats this for for both Jenny and myself in terms of quality and arguably Jessica as well in terms of uh, Larry Dart and uh, the whole Space Patrol uh, marionette scenario with swamps of Jupiter. But that's for another time, really. Uh, So a nine for Robin. Interesting. Um, Overall, then? reasonable scores um, with a few sort of challenges uh, to be had by that we'll see what happens when we go to part two uh, for the next Resonance Rewind um, same time same channel keep on resonating mm-hmm.